It's been a while since our last episode, but we're back. Our producer, Liam McNulty, has just published a book which will be of interest to Labour Day's listeners. James Connolly, socialist, nationalist and internationalist, is published by Merlin Press. As its title suggests, it takes a look at one of the key figures in Irish Labour movement history, James Connolly, who has featured in a number of our past episodes. This is a short preview in which Liam introduces and reads an extract from the book, made exclusively available to Labour Day's listeners. A full Labour Day's episode discussing the book and its relevance to those active in the Labour movement will follow in the coming weeks and months. But for now, over to Liam. Hi there, I'm Liam McNulty, the author of James Connolly, Socialist, Nationalist and Internationalist. And I'm a, a producer of Labour Days and throughout the whole time that I've been involved in the podcast, I've been researching and writing the book. So a lot of the themes that Labour Days listeners will be used to, uh, strike strategy, the class struggle, the history of the, the Labour movement in the UK and the US, all of them are present in the book. And this is a very interesting time for Labour relations, for Labour history. We're on the in the middle of actually the the largest strike wave since nineteen eighty nine. Thank you. And do you think unions are still invoking the spirit of James Connolly in the strike actions that they're taking at the moment? Well, very publicly in the summer on the ITV Peston show, Mick Lynch, the general secretary of the RMT union, uh, invoked Connolly explicitly on television when asked for his uh, political hero. So absolutely, you know, the spirit of Connolly hangs over a lot of this and there's been a, a growing interest and uptick in discussion about James Connolly and what he represents. And I think many rank-and-file workers involved in the dispute and indeed many Labour Day's listeners will learn a lot from uh, reading about Connolly's own trade union struggles. So if I'm a Labour Day's listener and I haven't heard of James Connolly yet, should I buy your book? should absolutely buy the book and you should probably listen to some of the back episodes as well because he's uh, been discussed on a number of occasions. Okay, so what made him such a working class hero? So Connolly was born in poverty in 1868. Uh, he was absolutely self-educated um, but had huge uh, wealth of knowledge and experience um, which was absolutely remarkable for the working class movement of its day. He was the leader of several socialist political parties. He was a general secretary of the Irish Transport and General Workers Union in the middle of the Dublin lockout of 1913, which was the the pinnacle of the class struggle in the Great Unrest period, uh, 1910 to 14, which is discussed in Labour Days quite often. And he came to quite a sticky end, didn't he? Yeah, so uh, Connolly was murdered by the British Empire in 1916 for his involvement in the Easter Rising. Uh, so he, you know, he was a martyr to the Irish Revolution, but also uh, widely considered as you know, uh, one of the, you know, the martyrs of the international labour movement and its resistance to the First World War. And your book uh, sheds light on James Connolly's life, but it also discusses the links between socialism, nationalism and internationalism during that period, um, towards the beginning of the 20th century. Do you think socialism and nationalism can ever peaceably coexist in one man? So I don't think they can peaceably coexist. And I think, you know, that's some of the contradictions and debates about James Connolly. Um, I suppose it depends what we mean by nationalism. You know, we, we see at the moment an upsurge of 
the right-wing uh, exclusivist nationalism, which is absolutely incompatible with, you know, internationalist working-class politics. But also at the time that Connolly was writing, he was, you know, part of an oppressed nation, and his national liberation, his national self-determination struggle uh, had a democratic content and actually his perspective was for the Irish working class to take the head of the national revolution and completely revolutionise Ireland. Um, so in that sense, there's much more of a compatibility. Thanks, Liam. And you're launching your book, aren't you, at a few different events uh, over the coming weeks. Do you want to tell us a bit more about your launches, when and where they are, and how Labour Day's listeners could um, get a ticket? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. The, the first launch is... Uh, on Friday the 20th of January it's at 6.30 in the All Good Bookshop on Turnpike Lane very close to the station in London uh, that's in, in North London and you can get a uh, ticket for free on Eventbrite and there will be uh, wine and uh, discussion and you can buy a copy of the book as well the second event is in Belfast in the James Connolly Visitor Centre in West Belfast that's on Thursday the 26th of January that's also at 6.30pm. Uh, you'll also be able to buy the book there if you're based in Belfast. And then the third event for the moment is on the 28th of January, and that's at the Radical Book Fair in Derry. And that's on from uh, 12 noon until 5pm, and I'll be speaking and answering questions at 2pm. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Liam, and we're really looking forward to seeing you at those events. Now, if you'd be so kind, if you could read out a little extract from your book to give uh, Labour Day's listeners a bit of a taste, a bit of a flavour of what the book's all about and some of the kind of interesting moments in James Connolly's life. Thank you. On the 28th of October 1913, Jim Larkin was imprisoned by the authorities for the charges made against him at the beginning of the Dublin lockout. Connolly took over the reins as acting General Secretary of the Irish Transport and General Workers' Union. He immediately launched a campaign to free Larkin, mobilising a tremendous movement of solidarity in Britain and abroad. In an interview with the Daily Herald in the wake of Larkin's arrest, Connolly told the paper that the imprisonment of Larkin is having just the opposite effect to what the Murphy crowd expected. They thought and talked a great deal about the personal magnetism or the tyranny of Larkin as being responsible for the trouble, but they will now see that a strong trade union organisation has been quietly built up and instead of it being weakened by Larkin's imprisonment, it has become more determined and inspirited. The centrepiece of the campaign was a huge solidarity rally organised in the Albert Hall in London on Sunday the 1st of November under the auspices of the Daily Herald and its supporters. The paper announced two days beforehand that James Connolly will make his first appearance before a great audience of London rebels and Democrats, thousands of whom perhaps have but known him dimly so far. There will, it added, be nothing dim in their picture of him henceforth. The ticket-only event attracted 12,000 people, with a further 20,000 reported to have been turned away to hear Connolly himself, the playwright George Bernard Shaw, Dora Montefiore, George Lansbury, the poet and cooperative activist George Russell, Delia Larkin, Sylvia Pankhurst, and the socialist and suffragist campaigners Charlotte Despard and Frederick Pethick Lawrence. The Irish citizen commented on the involvement of the suffragettes in the organisation of the rally, commenting that the labour movement which at the moment has its centre in Dublin has many points of interest for suffragists. It has been noted by all commentators, friendly or hostile, that the London demonstration in the Albert Hall last Saturday 
to aid the Dublin locked out men and to demand the release of Mr Larkin was made a success largely through the work of the militant suffragists, both in organising, in stewarding and among the audience. This was most strikingly demonstrated by the presence of Sylvia Pankhurst on the platform. Invited to speak by George Lansbury of the Herald, Pankhurst recalled how she was glad to accept the invitation as an opportunity to show solidarity with the Dublin workers and to keep the women's side of the struggle to the front. Then, reported the Herald, came James Connolly. His speech was another masterpiece, never a misplaced word, never a wasted adjective, sheer massive argument and a brilliant summary of the facts. Here, its reporter enthused, was a man with more statesmanship in his little finger than the whole cabinet heaped together. Pankhurst, too, was impressed, describing Connolly as a thick-set, quiet-mannered, serious-looking man who might have been taken for a comfortable farmer by his appearance. She recalled that he gave a temperate and formative address, in striking contrast to the excitability of old Lansbury and the other speakers. It was, she said, an evidence of the old adage that still waters run deep. In the final summary to his speech, Connolly declared that he stood for opposition to the domination of nation over nation, of class over class, or of sex over sex. In its coverage, the Irish citizen commented that no sentiment of any speaker was so loudly cheered as this.